What connects two people or what creates relationship between two people? Because we can still feel connected to a loved one who's passed away and we can live and share a bed with a spouse that we feel completely disconnected from. Or kind of a frivolous example, sometimes when we watch a TV show or read a series of novels, we become so invested in a particular character that we feel like we know them. And so if there's a semblance of a relationship that can be created in that way, what is it that connects two people? What is it that really makes relationship? Because what we're fighting against when it comes to relationship to love is this growing idea that comes from scientism that if we just keep working as humanity, everything in this world will become rationally known, that everything will be the result of a logical argument, that we can all come to know if we just study long enough and hard enough, that we're part of this like evolutionary machine, that we're all really just computers, and if you know how to do computer input and data, then you will know the human person through and through and how it functions. It's kind of the idea behind, well, Attraction between people is really about procreation, and that's the goal, that's why marriage exists, is for the procreation of our species and nothing more. But there's a part of us that knows that that's absolutely not true. That there's something more profound that is a part of that relationship. We're not just computers. We're not just part of an evolutionary machine. We're more than that. Which brings us to today's feast of Pentecost and the descent of the Holy Spirit, the descent of God's Spirit into the lives of the apostles for the sake of the church that we continue to profess and believe is present with us today. And that relationship that God is trying to create by giving His Spirit to us, they use a whole lot of different words in all of the readings today to try to express that connection by being filled with the Spirit by Jesus breathing his breath onto them, his life source. Or St. Paul talking about being one body in the Spirit of Christ, this unity brought about by the Spirit. But whenever we hear the word Spirit, it's kind of elusive. What is our Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Because it's not really concrete. Pope Benedict talking about the human spirit, he describes it this way, and I think it's, clarified some things for me. He says, our spirit is an attitude that brings fulfillment and happiness to the self by bursting through the limitations of self-centeredness and requires a decision of the heart of the whole person. That it's our attitude, it's the way that we push out from ourselves, breaking free from the self-centeredness that would keep us focused only on ourselves And that comes from a decision of the heart, of our whole person, moving outwards to others. Now, if we flip that around and think about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, descending at Pentecost, being given to us through baptism and confirmation, it is God's attitude directed completely to us, his outpouring, his rejection of self-centeredness and desire for connection with humanity. And this 
attitude in God is personified in the Holy Spirit. That that very gift of himself to us is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. This is why when it comes to feeling connected to TV characters or to deceased loved ones, it's possible. It's because they convey to us something of that truth, that there's an element of that truth in the way that the character is depicted in the story. We feel connected to that reality. Or with our loved ones who have died, we still have that connection through that gift of love that they have given us in their lives. There's a relationship created through that, a connectedness between us, a unity. The Spirit of God desires to take possession of us. It's not just a spirit that kind of hovers over watching us like you would see ghosts depicted in film that are there to kind of follow us around and haunt us. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit desires to take possession of us, to become united with us. It's kind of like if you've ever seen the movie Inception. They're trying to plant an idea in somebody's mind. And they're trying to plant it so profoundly that they don't even know where it started from. And it just becomes a part of who they are and of their own thoughts and own actions. God gives us his spirit. We can't really put our finger on when that began, when we started to be aware of it and how it manifests itself. So how do we know that God's spirit is with us? Because sometimes it would not feel so evident. St. Paul tells us, we know the Holy Spirit by his fruits. Right? We can't see him. We don't hear him. But we're promised that he's a part of our life. How do we know that he is a part of our life? By his fruits in our life. And if you remember back to your catechism days, there are 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. Here they are. Charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forbearance, gentleness, faith, modesty, self-control, and chastity. These are the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, the problem is, is that we can exemplify maybe one or two of them while lacking a lot of the others. And that doesn't show the real presence of Christ because I can be kind on the outside the way that I treat others, but there's a seething rage in me that doesn't come from a place of peace. The fruits of the Holy Spirit, it's a package deal. One goes with the other. And I think we can all think of people in our lives that we've known or know that exude this. Now, in all of this, what I kind of want to reflect on practically in our lives as Christians is the family. This unit, this unity of the family, that the family as it stands has been under attack by the way that our society is progressing for a while now. And this time of self-isolation has put a lot of pressure on the family unit, whether that's just being isolated from family I've heard of even families, because of employment, kind of partially isolating from each other within a home, which is insane to have to do that. Of not being able to hug a loved one, of having to visit with mom or grandma 
through their window at the nursing home because you can't go and see them. Or the frustrations that are building up because we're just spending way more time with each other than we're accustomed to. And the natural differences that grind against each other. And learning how to deal with that all over again. Or, more severely, the way that vice and addiction and abuse in a lot of places are ramping up in people's homes and causing further strain on the family. There's no more important place in our Christian life for the spirit to be that source of unity than in the home and in the family. This is the whole goal of the Holy Spirit is to draw us in union with each other and with God. So if we know the spirit is present by its fruits, we know a family that's living out that unity through the Holy Spirit by them exemplifying these 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. But how do we go from where we are to living that out? And looking at the gospel today and the experience of the apostles, to me there's four things that a family who's striving to live in union in relationship with the Holy Spirit does so that the fruits of the Holy Spirit play out in their lives. First is the apostles were together in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in the Gospel of John. They came together. When they were scattered on Good Friday, they came back together on Easter Sunday to be with each other. They ate together. They recreated together. Families who live by that unity eat together often and recreate together. They don't always do their leisure time individually and apart with friends, but with each other. The second is that Jesus sends them out. Families who are united serve together, whether that's serving in the home by doing chores collectively or serving together out in the community. They understand this need to break free from this self-centeredness for the sake of each other and the community that they're a part of. Three, when Jesus comes to them in the upper room, what, is the, what happens? He speaks, peace be with you, and then John tells us he shows them his wounds. A family who's striving and living in that spirit is willing to share with each other their brokenness, is willing to be vulnerable with one another. And that's a hard thing to do family striving for unity is able and willing to talk about what pains them and how they struggle with vice or hurt in their life. And fourth, a family who lives that unity knows the way to reconciliation because inevitably there is going to be frustration and arguments in families. But a family who's living in that spirit knows how to reconcile. Because the measure of our perfection in families is not avoiding arguments and anger, but it's in the way that we are willing to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness again and again. Eat together, recreate together. Serve together. Share wounds and vulnerabilities. And be reconciled. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is active and at work in our life? Here's how I see the Holy Spirit active in my life. 
in the courage to face an old wound and to be willing to do what it takes to heal or to reconcile that hurt from the past. The wisdom to do for children what I'm unwilling to do for myself. The knowledge that when I absolutely know I'm right, I know I'm not right. Or understanding that when I'm faced with hatred, that person is not evil. Or the awe that when life just really sucks, it's still beautiful. Or the reverence or the piety that when I just really don't want to see God, I pray anyway. Or the right judgment that when that little voice tells me that I shouldn't say or shouldn't do something, I just don't. See, with the Holy Spirit, we are called to eat and recreate with him as we're able to slowly come back to Mass. This is where we eat and recreate with the Holy Spirit. That we're called to serve with the Holy Spirit, each other and in our community. That we're called to share our wounds and our vulnerabilities in prayer because the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs and groans too deep for words. And as Jesus tells the apostles today, whatever sins are forgiven, you forgive are forgiven. The Spirit is the one who reconciles us to God.